0: Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. This is the Finding Backcountry podcast, episode number 40, and I've got Corey on. And Corey, if you don't watch yourself, you're going to become the co-host of one of the least probably least listened to podcasts in the hunting community so um what do you have to say about that i'd be psyched (laughs) no you You can
1: (laughs) if you can if you can nail me down i uh no i love being on yeah what's what's
0: ironic about this is when i brought the podcast up if you remember i ran it by you And said, dude, we should do this podcast. And you said, oh, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that. I don't want to do a podcast.
1: I think my deal was at the time, this was before last hunting season, was I think I verbatim told you, "Eh, I'm not really a podcast guy. I don't get it. (laughs) And so I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't really even know how to do it. And I started actually driving back and forth from colorado this year three times solo i uh started listening to podcasts and like dude i'm like hook line and sinker on them now like i'm like pretty much always have one on in my life so i get it now but at the time when you brought it up i was
0: <laughs> in my opinion there's two types of people in the world right now there's the kind who are already hooked on podcasts and the kind who are about to be hooked on podcasts my, uh, it just my it, fiance oh yeah go ahead oh
1: my fiance or well I keep calling her my ex-fiance my new wife we just drove back from Iowa and a uh, nice little 14 hour drive and she put up with me listening to whatever hunting podcast I wanted to for the whole 14 hours so
0: yeah my wife and I great. have the agreement that I can listen to whatever hunting podcast I want as well and she can sleep as much as she wants so there you go. she, usually, yeah, she usually does Teresa does a little bit of that as well. Yeah. No, I, I love podcasts, man. It's uh, it's just such a, especially if you have any type of job um, like I have where you're um, traveling a lot or or even, you know, all, I've gotten to where I, I don't like listening to music in the gym, and I know that sounds unmotivating or kind of weird, but, um, you know, I, I'm listening to a, a podcast or an audio version of something. Um, and once you it it, I'll admit, it takes that first little, um, you just have to adjust. like you're, I don't think that your your body's your mind's not used to ingesting information in this platform and paying attention to it where you actually get something out of it. But as soon as you kind of make that transition, um, you know, we're, we're preaching to the choir cause anyone listening to this is probably hooked on podcasts. If you got all the way down to the bottom of the barrel and are listening to, to this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, to, make sure you tell your friends, you know, they'll, they'll, at first I'll give you some kickback. Even my, like my brother's the same way. Um, oh podcast. And he wasn't going to do it and he wasn't going to listen to him. And uh, and then all of a sudden. He's coming to me, oh, that was funny what you said in that podcast. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're listening to my podcast? Oh, yeah, I'm listening to your podcast. So.
1: I don't listen to yours. I, you know, I just talk to you.
0: You know, it's funny about that, too. Um, and I don't know if this makes sense to people or not, but I do not listen to my own podcast ever. I um,
1: not I've never listened to one you've had me on.
0: I used to. The first probably – um, five episodes maybe, um, because I was just maybe a little self-conscious about it. I was paranoid about it, stressed about it. Um, I would listen to them and now, th- unless something crazy happens that, you know, uh, um, a screech in the audio or something that I know needs to be fixed. Um, I, I send it off to the editor and he sends it back and I don't even listen to it. So anyway, fun road. It, it's seriously, I want to, you know, it's not episode 50, so it's not like a monumental thing, but I just want to take a minute and say how much, two things, how much I love doing this and how much I appreciate you that are out there listening. Um, this has just been the craziest, I don't even know, how long have I been doing this now? Probably
1: 40, 40 eight, weeks, right?
0: 40 weeks. Jeez. Yeah.
1: I'm yeah. good at math. Three quarters of a year almost. Right. Three, well, it it was last
0: there. year. Yeah, it was last year, and and at the time I didn't know anything other than I just I liked the platform. It fit me. Um, I think it fits me better than you know video. It fits me even better than written word. And I I do pretty well with written word um, when I actually sit down and put my mind to you know a how to article or an art, a story about a hunt or something. Um, I, I do pretty well, you know, we've had some articles published and some stories published and stuff, but this is, man, I love it. And I know I've said before that I don't care if people listen. I do. I thank everyone for listening. (laughs) So anyway, Corey, that was enough about that, man. Um, real quick, before we get into what we're going to talk about, um, you brought up your new, uh, wife. And I had I the. I oper- my
1: ex fiance. Your
0: ex fiance, yep. Yeah,
1: she doesn't <laughs> like that, but I do.
0: <laughs> no, and I just you know um, people who know you listening or or people who don't um, either way, uh, you know I had the chance to fly out and uh, be stand up in Corey's Corey and Teresa's wedding, and Corey and Teresa, um, anyone who knows them knows uh, what kind of kind of people they are, and. You know, I just want to say that I'm so so happy for you guys. Um, just two of the the absolute salt of the earth, best people uh, found each other, and and good good for you. You know, that's that's what you guys deserve. So, I was just super uh, super humbled to be able to come out there and uh, participate. And um, you guys you guys got a good thing going. Just always remember that you. Uh, <laughs> You put each other first, and everything will be. Uh, you'll have a ha- happy wife, happy life. That's what they happy say.
1: Happy wife. I uh, I got a story about you. Can we Can we talk about me for a little bit longer while talking about you? <laughs> sure. You'll enjoy this. Uh oh. So I just told, got done telling Teresa this story, but we. Uh, it was probably it was when you and I were working together, and I was I don't know twenty one, twenty two years old running around I had just moved to a new town you and I had become backcountry hunting buddies and you you kind of knew I was, I don't know what the right phrase was for me back then I was a little rambunctious and I was goofing off a lot and I was you know 22 year old and single and Teresa worked there as well and Teresa's very well known around for baking And I think you and Teresa got along at that point pretty well. And she was running around with the same crew and uh, she had made us like cookies or Scotcheroos or something. And she was walking away and Teresa and I kind of, because we worked together when we first started kind of dating, we hid it from everybody because we were both, you know, we didn't want to date for a month or two and then break up and it'd be weird at work and everything. So we hit it for probably three or four months and I can remember vividly, I hadn't told anybody at work because Teresa didn't want me to. And I remember vividly you look in as she like dropped off the cookies, looked back and smiled, And you look, you looked at me, you know, you know, if you were going to chase a girl, that'd be the one to chase. And I just, I couldn't hold it back. You looked at my smile and I, he's like, you're already doing it. You're already doing it. I don't know if you
0: remember that, but <laughs> I, I do. do. Yeah.
1: yeah and so It, it doesn't,
0: uh, I mean, that makes me sound, I don't know what it makes me sound like, but any, any, uh, any person with, you know, any person that's around Teresa, uh, would know that she's, uh, she's exact type of person, uh, that some, you know, that, that you would want to go after. She's just, like I said, she's, she's one of the nicest, yeah. uh, sin- sincerest, nicest people I know. Yeah, She's awesome. So, well, cool, man. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Got Corey married off this summer. Now we're uh, now we'll have you know wife stories that we can talk about in the backcountry. Like, oh man, can you believe my wife's making me do the dishes? And so it'll be just a whole new year this year. But I just got back from a little mini vacation. We'll call it. Um, just you know, my wife's a school teacher, and so the summer's a good time. And I do so many things for myself that it was just good to like. We went completely away, well, I say away from hunting. I still managed to stop at a couple sporting goods stores and buy some equipment and some stuff on the way home, um, backpacking stuff. but we basically went down to like Southern California, uh, went to a couple baseball games, um, which you know surprises one of my passions too um, from a long time ago. And then but then we went to the beach, which is what she really likes to do for a day and it was just good. And so kind of 4th of July is over back, back in the grind of things. And like today, in fact um, was the day that the last draw results for any state that I'm in or that I know of in the West, basically the bulk of all the draw results came out today. That was Arizona struck out hardcore there Um, rough
1: season man we're you know swinging and missing
0: my application strategy there is probably like a lot of guys that are listening to this if you apply for arizona and that is um it's just that it's just an application strategy to build points it's not um i'm not expecting to draw anything because i you know if i'm gonna hunt arizona on those easy to draw hunts and i might as well just pick up in my opinion might as well just pick up the over-the-counter tag because I don't think most of those marginal draw units that they have outside of the strip and the Kaibab, maybe the 3A and 3C's that I've actually hunted once. Um, at that point, you just might as well just build points, wait for the Kaibab or the strip or whatever tag you're after, and then just hunt the over-the-counter. So that's my strategy there. I don't totally didn't expect to draw. Um, struck out in Idaho too, which... I was kind of surprised, you know, I put in for some of the better units in Idaho on their uh, controlled hunt application, but, um, the elk one, one of the elk units that I put in for wasn't, I mean, when I say easier to draw, it was like maybe 10, 10 or 15% chance of drawing. And I didn't pick that up anyway. So here we are, are all kind of the vacation, summer vacations over the dust has settled from all the tags and it's scouting season, man. It is like if I was putting a day on the beginning of scouting season every year, like July 1st through whatever July 7th week or whatever, wherever, uh, you know, the 4th of July falls based on a weekend or whatever, like this is probably the weekend that guys got out and got their trail cameras hung for the most part. And, And so what you're realizing, if you're like me, um, you know, I've been on a couple of overnight backpack trips already this year, but for the bulk of us, this is when you start realizing, Oh crap, like all my gear from last year's still got like blood on the pack and I've got to replenish my toilet paper. Cause I used it all and was using my sock at the end of the year last year and
1: send the tent in to have a zipper
0: Yeah. forgot that that stupid on. zipper was, yeah, that dumb buckle was broke and like, So you're just getting the dust off of all your backpack gear. And so I thought, what better time to just go through our gear list and not just going to read it and then close the podcast. But as we go through these, um, you know, maybe a few stories will come up. I'm not anticipating a ton of stuff, but more, more some things to watch out for, some reasons why we use certain stuff. But then what I found, Corey, maybe you're the same way working at Shields is I've got a lot of buddies and maybe you have some customers that are they're the guys that are just trying to get into backpack hunting. And it's it's crazy. And we we do these seminars every year at the um, Salt Lake uh, Hunt Expo on backpack hunting. And every year we do one on gear because these are the questions that I get more than any other combined is
1: what, where, where do you find big deer like GPS coordinates and (laughs) then, and then gear? Yeah.
0: I actually don't get those as much, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I stay away from hunting forums for the most part. And that's where you'd get a lot of those, like, where is that at? Um, so yeah, but yeah, those two. Um, and so If nothing else, I will literally go through line by line of what my gear list looks like. And so if someone's out there in this position, um, this will seem really elementary for someone who's backpack hunted for years. But what I would almost bet is that it doesn't matter how many times you've been doing this, somebody else has something that you could probably use. And maybe that's what will happen here. Um, or someone will have something that you haven't thought of, or just like one, I mean, and it can be, you know how it is, man. Like it could be one tiny little thing that you hadn't thought about. Um, and you think, man, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that this year. And it's, you know, it's your next kind of the cool thing that you try this year or something like that. If you're the guy that's just getting into backpack hunting, this might be the most valuable podcast that we've ever done. Um, because again, they don't know what to pack, and so inevitably, guys end up uh, doing what I call is packing your insecurities, right? Um, we've all been there. I'll tell a quick story, and then we'll get into this, about Corey packing his insecurity once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when he first started backpacking, I'll throw him under the bus first. Sweet. I'll, uh, I'll gladly jump yeah. in. Okay. So, we were... Getting ready to go on an elk hunt uh, in up in northern Utah when we first met Corey, and we might have given you a gear list or something, but anyway, somehow we had relayed to you that you need to bring duct tape. Really great yeah. item to have in the backcountry, duct tape.
1: Came um, out of David Long's first book, actually. I uh, went through his gear list and was like, just started adding stuff.
0: I was trying to take credit for it, but apparently it was day, it might have been you, someone somewhere had told you that you need to bring duct tape. That makes sense. Um, and so we show up for like a seven or however many day hunt in the back country. And <laughs> there's can I, can I preface this real quick or sure, defend yourself?
1: This, this is a hunt. I moved to Utah May of 2012 Yeah. with absolutely. <laughs> zero backpack gear or knowledge right. and we're bombing in august of 12 and i'm i have no western gear i have no bow and i have no uh, no knowledge of how to do any of this like i didn't know what a jet boil was at this time i remember them like explaining to me what a mountain house was so
0: <laughs> so the punchline is cory sh- cory shows up with with a whole roll of duct tape <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: I didn't show up to the trailhead with a whole roll of duct tape. Somebody asked to borrow duct tape when we were like eight or 10 miles in, and I pulled out a whole roll of duct
0: tape. It, it made its way all the way in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It sure did. And I don't know if so. that's technically packing an insecurity or not, but it sure um, it was something. So if you're that guy that's just starting out, and you're the Iowan that just is coming out west this year, and you're going on your first hunt, like, here you go. Ready? This is a gear list team back gear list 2018. And this isn't, you know, and this will change between now and and the hunts. This will change, but this is basically where we're at right now. So what I've done is I've broken this into, we'll see, one, two, three, four, kind of five ish main categories. And these are not um, perfectly mapped out by any stretch of the imagination. Excuse me because I just kind of threw this together, but those five categories are kind of your hunting equipment, your camp equipment, pack supplies, meaning things, basically most of the things that just stay in our packs. They don't really ever leave. They're always in their uh, clothing. And then uh, last categories, like the trailhead or things that stay at the truck actually, that aren't coming in with you, that you're still going to bring. So, Starting with, again, and and some of these may be out of the wrong category or something like that for your taste, but starting with hunting equipment, um, the first thing we're going to always make sure that you have is your tag and your license, right? Very important. Very important. And every state's a little bit different. In fact, Nevada just changed theirs up on us, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's like they've got – anyway, just go through and make sure because some of them will be wildlife taxidermy stubs. Some of them will be – Uh, transportation permits. Some of them will be the actual permit. One of them will be your actual hunting license. Some States, you don't even technically have to have your hunting license on you when you're hunting. Like I think Utah is that way. Don't quote me on that, but um, they consider your permit, your hunting license. So just, you got to understand the state that you're in. Well,
1: heads up Colorado. And I even bombed down there. Colorado technically and if you get checked I've been told they'll write you a fine for it but they uh, they want you to have proof of hunter's ed on you while you're hunting so if you're non-resident to Colorado I'm not familiar with any state you know in Iowa or any other state you know it just says you have it right on your license you have to have a license tag and proof of hunter's ed in the state of Colorado
0: see that's when I had no idea I've hunted Colorado multiple times without my proof you know my actual in Nevada it was a blue card back in the day. But getting to get emails about you being a poacher. I don't think that's the same thing as poaching. <laughs> and and most anyone that, that does probably has also hunted Colorado without theirs. Right. No, so yeah. just you know, that's good advice to ourselves, obviously, is we need to check all the states before we go into them. Um, to, to find out exactly what their regulations are. My mistake there is I just assumed that it was like most of the other states that I know, you know, Nevada or Utah. So every state. Yep. And I just put mine, I either, I usually put mine now in a little Ziploc bag and then roll it up and put it like, like every pack's different, but the deepest, darkest, um, part of that pack where it's just like it's just going to get it sit in my pack and i'm going to forget that it's there i'm never accidentally going to pull it out it's one of those pockets that's like on the back side of the inside of a pocket or something you know it's way way back in there so
1: i i keep mine right in the bino bivy i think that you know i that's a piece of gear i'd turn around and i'm never going to lose my bino bivy and if i do i'm gotcha. by going home so
0: yeah you know and that's and that's a and this is a good This is a good learning experience for us, too, as we go through this, because as soon as I say that, you know, there's multiple times where I drop my pack and go and go on a stock. And you know how some of those stocks go. I should probably do the same thing where I keep it on my person because it's probably legally supposed to be. Um, But I and I do that all the time. I'll drop my pack. My tag is, you know, back up in my pack. And, you know, who knows what happens? You can get miles away from those packs sometimes when you drop them. Try not to. Um, the next thing on the list obviously is, and some of these will be obvious like this, but your weapon, um, and along with that obviously is whatever, if you're, you know, uh, extra ammunition or arrows or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever weapon choice that you're taking. Um, the next thing on my list is, is kind of an all inclusive little archery kit. Um, and I think I have it right here. No, I can't find it, but. My art. Yeah, it is. My archery kit is a tiny little, um, I think I got this in the fly fishing section and I've carried this with me on every hunt when I'm on an archery hunt, but it's, it's a small little, um, for probably for flies, obviously in the fly fishing section. Um, but it's just got tiny little compartments. It's a small little, uh, plastic, uh, what do you call these little, um, you know, little tackle box, little things, it's not a tackle box. It's even smaller than that. It's like almost the size of a business card, um, a little bit bigger, but I just carry my little archery accessories, like an extra field tip, um, a small game head when I, for when I was uh, traditional archery hunting, um, extra, you know, some of these are from my traditional days, like little brass, extra brass knocks, um, extra, uh, knocks, for the you know the back of the arrow um and any any other maybe an extra spare broadheads or whatever extra little things um uh, your allen wrenches uh, you could fit in here uh, that are relevant to the bow that you're shooting or whatever so um, just any little extras that you can think of that don't weigh too much that you can pack in um you good on that
1: yeah i always uh well i've I pack a Leatherman tool when I hunt and we'll get probably to that part of it, but I always have a Leatherman and I actually put all the bits rather than packing Allen wrenches in that. I learned that little kit from you and I have the same thing, but I put the tool is like a really lightweight, the tool CX. It's got a knife and a couple of good handy tools, yeah. but it actually has tiny specific bits so you can put Torx or Allen's on it. I really like that system.
0: And so then you're just matching the Allen size up for your bow and bringing the maybe two or three tiny little uh, heads that you can pop in there. that's, yeah, that's a really good idea because what I would do, I did, I packed an Allen wrench set for years and, or not an Allen wrench set, but a full blown Leatherman. And after like, geez, 10 years of never using that thing, I finally was like, I'm not packing this anymore um but yeah having those tiny little little things and pliers are nice every once in a while yeah,
1: man that that skeletal i know you've borrowed mine before but it's it's got wire cutters on it it's got a good set of pliers yep. solid knife uh they make the cx which is carbon so it, i don't don't quote me on the weight but it's lighter on the lighter end yep. and then it's got those nice little flat phillips and they're or you know you can do phillips flathead, Torx, torques allens you know whatever a guy needs and that thing's been, I think, I didn't have the right size for Mark's bee stinger and I used those carbide cutters to cut Mark like a tool so we could take his bee stinger off out of a titanium spoon <laughs> sitting in my pack. That, you always find a use for a good pair of pliers. Yep,
0: but yep. I think I need to, I, in fact, I'm going to take notes on that. And uh, add that to my toolkit this year. There you go. Okay. If you don't um, know, now you know. Now you know. Uh, the next thing on my list for just kind of random hunting equipment is uh, my knife set from Kestrel. And a couple of reasons I like Kestrel. Corey geeks out on the metals quite a bit, and he can ramble off what type of metals they have. And I'm, I'm not that guy. I know that it's good, uh, really good, because we went through was it an elk and or two, two, I went through two mule deer at least last year and I still haven't sharpened that thing. Um, and it, it was, it was just as sharp on the end of the last mule deer as it was at the first. So, um, but we use, what I like to take is that they have an ultra, they call it an ultralight hunter set, I believe. Um, and it's man, it's built for backcountry hunters because it's, um, you know, it's just a, it's just, they call it a, you know, the, the skeleton uh, handle. Um, and you can wrap it, you can have it wrapped in uh, p cord so that you got a little extra P cord there, or you can use it without, but it's the skeleton Ovis, the mountain caper for those little tiny, uh, you know, crevices and stuff around antlers or whatever. And then the, the skeleton Skinner, um, for when you're really just trying to pull stuff away from the, from the meat. So, uh, what's your feelings on that? Do you pack all three of those, Corey, or do you,
1: I, I don't. And I, you know, me, I'm kind of repetitive with some of this gear that like, I just know I don't want to lose, but I, uh, I really like the skeleton. ovis And I'm, I'm not,
0: it's, it's, I'm gonna pack it's a, definitely the, the, if you had to pick one, wouldn't, wouldn't you say it's the do all. Yeah.
1: It's definitely the do all. I love that knife. And then, I, uh, man, that mouflon skinner, I, uh, I actually, I need to, I need to reach out and grab another one of those. Cause I lost mine. I, before my bear hunt, I couldn't find it. And I, I, I gotta have it. I love the shape of that mouflon skinner. We've done a couple elk with those now and it, it's just, yeah, it's awesome. We did, I think we butchered six bears last, not this year, but last year. And that knife was like, everybody had to steal it and those the big bears man all that fat and stuff they they doll out a knife quicker than anything and yeah they uh man i gotta get another one of those but yep. that uh, it's one of their heavier knife but it's
0: well that that's know. what that skeleton skinner is it's basically the same blade type with a skeleton handle
1: no the mouflon is the it's a big it's a shorter one with that big fat belly on it
0: uh i think that's what i'm saying i think that that um am i or am i way off
1: no you, the ovus is like that oh no yeah or, no i'm talking about the yeah. skeleton
0: skinner they he, i've got the okay yeah i got yep, you there is i'm terrible with names yeah no i we, we were saying the same thing it's it, yeah. it's the skinning it's a skinning blade same fat you know fat belly skinning blade but it's just got yeah. the uh, hollowed out handle yep yeah, I got to
1: get another one of those. we dude, we're a month out. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my I'm, gosh, I'm, you're making me nervous now.
0: I know. Yeah, this is this isn't for anyone but us, really. Yeah. I just happened to hit yeah. record. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, wind indicator. Uh, my wind indicator. I'm super old school. I'll just get one of the, uh, you know, the powder in the bottle uh, deals that they sell at wherever, um, Walmart, Sports and Warehouse, Capellas or whatever. Shields. I mean. Um, and mine just goes, the vinyl harness that I have has uh, tiny little pouches, one on each side. Um, one of my tiny pouches on the side always has a wind indicator. Cause it's, it's like, it's crucial, right? I mean, it's like, you have to have that on every stock and then the other side, uh, which is weird. Cause I pack it everywhere. It doesn't matter if I'm going on a mule deer hunt or not. I always have a cow call, um, a mouth, Mouth read cow call right there, but um, what do you use for wind indicator? Corey, did I lose you?
1: Yeah, my Bluetooth jumping around. I got too much Bluetooth running around right now on my back. Oh, you're back. Yeah, we got Teresa likes having the speaker around, and we got the headphones <laughs> and this, well, that, and the other.
0: I got put on hold once on the podcast, and so that wasn't – this isn't as, as uh, bad as that, so you're fine. There you um, go. Game bags is the next thing. You know, and and to be quite honest, I'm, I've always been the cheap uh, whatever brand it is, Allen uh, brand that you can get at Walmart or whatever. I like the four relatively smaller bags. Um, because then I can just I can choose where I'm going to divvy meet up if I want. Um, I know Corey, you've had some nicer bags. What are you going to run this year?
1: You know, I uh, I've ran those Allens, the real lightweight ones. I don't know if they sell those at Walmart or not, but it's the four pack of yeah. the Allens. I've ran those a lot because they're washable, but they're cheap enough you can throw them away, and they uh, they're lightweight. I don't like like the real.
0: There's some that are just—they're just too heavy and thick, right?
1: Yeah, there's—it's always that balance, and that's where I find those Allen's. I don't like the cheesecloth ones that like you drop the bag on the dirt because we, you know, we've got it outside of our pack. I don't like like the cheesecloth super light ones. See, that's those—those um, are,
0: those are the ones that I run. <laughs> oh man,
1: I can't stand them, and because—and uh, the other thing about it in a unit, you know, we're bombing into nevada august 10th flies and um, ticks. flies flies can lay eggs through that man yep. and i'm i'm pretty anti that too so those allens are cotton they're breathe cotton's actually really breathable like people get kind of anti-cotton but can't- cotton's breathable it's washable it's going to keep dirt off of it it's still fairly lightweight um i like those i've i've looked at some of the So we, so don't like cheesecloth bags. Um, you know, those Allen bags are good. It's probably a piece of gear that you and I haven't done our due diligence on. And I think part of the draw for me to stay part of the reason that I haven't dove into like maybe one of the premium bags, like I know Kufaru makes a really nice meat bag. Um, is an Alaskan guide that makes a really nice one as well is... I'm not into like the maintenance. I get like done with the hunt. I come home, we do all of our own meat prep and we got to, you know, all that to do. I'm just not the guy that's going to wash a meat. Like I'm not going to wash my game bags and I probably should. Um, That's something that we should learn to do. And if I'm spending 60 or 80 bucks in meat bags, I'd have to do it. Otherwise. So
0: yeah, I run those Allen's. Yeah. And, and, and again, to summarize that and you cut out there. So I just, there's going to be a splice there in the audio, but um, there was no point in just having dead weight there. But um, basically I think what you're saying is just the, the lightest, cheapest solid cloth of a, of a game bag.
1: You know, I like cotton, man. It's breathable. It's lightweight. Cotton on in that aspect is a good material to make a game bag out of. Okay. I don't want flies
0: laying eggs in it. (laughs) Yeah. No, me neither. Um, Next thing on my list is, you know, getting into some optics here, Uh, range finder, um, best one that you can afford, obviously, is the one that you should take Um, some sort of angle range compensation. That being said, I've listened to enough guys that are way smarter than me to know that those angle range compensations are not always accurate. And you would probably be smart to kind of have your own mental, um, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, a mental dope chart or whatever. Um, for what your bow is actually going to do. Because, again, what is that angle range compensation based on? It's based on yep. something. And maybe it's the industry standard or whatever. You know, I, I have no idea, honestly. It might be based on the IBO speed of bows, which is, you know, not even – the bows themselves aren't shooting that, at you know. And so to to base that on your – anyway, the point is, you you know, go to a shoot like – total archery challenge or find a place where you can shoot at a hard 45-degree angle, um, you know, at distances and and see, because you'll probably be really surprised at how off even those angle range compensations are, especially at a little bit longer distances, 40, 50, 60 yards, um, with your specific setup. You know, I'm running a, about 280 feet a second. I guarantee you that that's not... You know, I'm, I'm going to be knocking down a lot uh, more yards than than what the rangefinders tell me. So um, I pack my uh, range finder in what's – it's made by Crooked Horn, and it's the best thing that I've found with the vinyl bivvy that I like to run. Um, and it's actually a completely – I wear a completely separate uh, – it's called the Sidekick, Rangefinder Sidekick from Crooked Horn. And it's it's basically the first thing that I put on in the morning when I'm getting out of the out of the tent or once I have my clothes on, um, and it kind of sits on the side, right? So it's actually only got one strap that goes up over the top, and it sits on the side just off center so that my bino harness can sit right in the middle, and it for me it works slick. Um, I'm a guy that I know that there's other. Bino bivvies out there that probably have built-in rangefinder cases or whatever, but I'm not going to compromise some very important things that I've found in a bino harness that I want just to get a rangefinder. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And so for uh, me, back. that
0: that that that's the best setup that I've been able to find. I used to carry it in my pocket. I actually like having it in that little pouch, just you know, basically right under your left uh left chest you know
1: i run mine right in my kufaru pack strap and then i will if i if i ever drop a pack i'll i'll throw it in the pocket and i this comes from a guy who lost a rangefinder on a hunt but i uh i don't know there's new one coming out i don't think it's going to be out by hunting season that was designed by a good friend of both of ours james yates it's going to be it's going to be the setup bino bivy the whole all the stuff you were just talking about you know not liking about some bino bivies he's got the bino bivies and the rangefinders all dialed so it uh don't expect it this hunting season but yeah. it's going to be out there and i'm excited about it you should have james when when that gets released you should have
0: james on okay um okay and then obviously next piece of gear and again these are these are really obvious um but your binoculars um, slash spotting scope. Uh, my ideal setup, if, if, even if weight is an issue, uh, like when we head into Nevada, I will have my, I have, I actually run eight powers on my chest. Most guys would like a 10 or even a 12. I actually prefer my eights and then I'll have a pair of 15s or one of us in the group will have 15s and then someone in the group will have a spotting scope. And that to me is probably the most deadly combination uh, that makes the most sense for me. The reason that I like the eights on my chest is stocks. And when you're on the move and you're on your feet and you're, you you know, it's that, it's that 200 to 50 yard gap, 200 yard to 50 yard gap that you have to close. I use my binals usually, especially when I'm in relatively plain sight or something like that, I'm using them non-stop and every other step every other step basically there's yeah there's times where they don't leave my hand and i'm almost walking with them on my eyes and those eight powers are not good for picking stuff up across a canyon from a mile but when you're on the move and you're trying to hold steady on a buck that's bedded you know under 200 yards you can't beat a pair of eight i'd rather have a pair of sixes if they made them or whatever um because you just you, you you're not shaking so Um, but everyone's going to have their opinion there. That's just what we run. Um, and then obviously your tripods, uh, for your spotting scope, what might not be obvious is a tripod with your 15s. If you're not running, I I don't care what power binos they are. You need to figure out the adapter to get your binos on a tripod when you're in those extended glassing sessions where, you know, you're just kind of sitting there if you're running the same pair, that's fine. That's what my brother does. He'll take his tens off of his chest and throw them on the uh, tripod while he's glassing. But just having those binos up on a tripod, it, it it almost doubles the magnification of them, so to speak, because it's so much easier to pick stuff apart. So, um, And I'm just going to roll through some of these. Um, that's about it on just like general hunting equipment. Again, some of these might overlap into that category, but... Moving into camp equipment, um, first thing on my list is a sleeping bag, obviously. Um, I've said this before. I, for years now, have ran a straight zero-degree, super-lightweight, zero-degree Marmot lithium membrane sleeping bag. It's way too hot for our early season hunts, but I just unzip it. And, you know, I was using a blanket quote unquote a bl- these these quilts before they were even cool because I would just open that thing up and use it as a quilt <laughs> um, this is gonna be one thing that I'm gonna change this year um, we've got the new body bag from Kafaru coming and it is it's exactly what I've been waiting for it's like a 25 degree I think it's under three pounds or whatever two two and a half pound um more of an early season bag and i finally just decided you know what i need to pick one of those up so um where uh sleeping bags cory i know you've got a couple um early and yeah. late season sleeping bag guy
1: yeah i've i've got probably um i like what dustin does if you're a new hunter i i like and I'm not saying this because I think Dustin's a new hunter, but he's a, he's a cold sleeper, but I like to err on the side of, you know, you think it's going to be 30 degrees at night or 20 degrees at night, err on the the colder side of the sleeping bag. So, so get a bag. There's always that sliding scale of weight to warmth. An extra like six ounces of sleeping bag isn't that big a deal, but if you don't have enough sleeping bag in the backcountry and you're not getting sleep because you're shivering, you're going to be in a bad spot. So Dustin using a zero degree when we're bombing in August 10th to Nevada, I I don't fault him for it. He's carrying an extra pound of weight where, I mean, I'm carrying around a roll of duct tape. So, mm-hmm. um, but I do, I like, I've, I've got a couple different sleeping bags. I, I run a 20 degree more than I do anything. I've got a big Agnes bag I really enjoy. Um, this Kufaru bag is my first synthetic down bag I've used um in a long time so i'm i'm excited to try that out synthetics not gonna pack down quite as much but it's quite a bit more waterproof a little bit more bomb proof and cheaper Um, yeah it can be
0: um and that's you know that that's really back to my zero degree bag deal that's that's really um the biggest reason behind it it wasn't so much as i'm a cold sleeper it was at the time, you know, 10 years ago, I could only afford one sleeping bag, one really yep. nice sleeping bag. And even that was a stretch, you know. And so.
1: If you're just going to have one.
0: If you're just going to have use one. use a zero
1: and 30 degree, but you can't use a 30 and zero.
0: Exactly. So,
1: And I'm I'm the guy, I put a puffy on, I put, I put a hat on when I sleep, which I think a lot of people don't do. If you have, I've got that nice Moreno. It's real breathable and lightweight stocking cap from First Light. Yep. Man, throw a stocking cap on while you sleep and gloves. It's a it's a game changer. Yep.
0: Um, so tent tent situation right now. Um, it can change a little bit, but we have basically ran those Big Agnes Fly Creeks for a for a floored like one to two man uh, tent. We've run that that Big Agnes Fly Creek uh, the UL two for years and loved it. Um we will this year be mixing in and out the kafaru, uh, the eight men, um, especially for the colder season hunts, because we can throw that stove up, dry our stuff out. Um, those are I'm r-
1: excited to be able to stand up and
0: change. Oh, I mean, it's so yep, nice. No ex- so nice. I hate that. Yep. So nice. Um, so again, tent situation it's, you know, it'll vary for us depending on the hunt. Again, how many
1: people we got, how
0: many people are coming, whether we're using pack animals or not. And then early or late season, I'm more apt to take a floored, um, sealed off tent in the early season, just because of bugs, spiders, uh, like rats and mice getting into your stuff. I just saw a picture today on on the gram of someone's tent that had just been absolutely trashed. Cause they, they actually forgot to close the, you know, it, look, it looked like a, f- a floored tent with a, with a zipper and everything. They just forgot to close it. And you know, they got in there and just completely trashed everything. I've had them anyway. Um, so it just depends on the hunt. Uh, now you're
1: going to see Dustin hanging a pack up in a tree in Nevada. Yep. It's like, there's
0: no bears. There's here There's no bears, yeah, but there a are bunch yep, of a bunch of mice. Hey, I've had them chew right through my uh, water bladder thing. I came back from a stock, and when I thought I had a full bladder of water, emptied all over on the ground, and I'm like, what the heck happened here? Mouthpiece was completely chewed off. They were looking for a drink, so it happens. Um, some cooked stuff. So something you know along the lines of a jet boil we're going to take. if we. One important thing here is if we have a couple of guys or three guys or whatever going on the same hunt – rarely will we pack more than one jet boil. We'll have each guy pack their own fuel canister. So just to kind of make sure that we have enough for everyone. Um, But there's really, you know, I don't know. It might be smart for us to take like a little backup, um, you know, maybe a pocket rocket or something. Say we take a pocket rocket usually as a backup. Kind of a backup, but basically one uh, quick burning, you know, like a jet boil or something like that. Um, and then fuel canisters, um, all of your basic cooking equipment, um, but really keep this simple. Like we take, we've got our, uh, titanium long handle spoon or spork. Corey, Thank tur- you. Corey turned me on that. I will admit. You
1: me so hard on yep. that.
0: I, I did. I was, nope, I don't need that you know, $15, $20 titanium and it's the best investment you'll ever make. Um, the extra long handle so that you're not getting your fingers and stuff. And it's, it never breaks. That was the other thing is all those plastic ones uh, throughout the course of a season, you would rip through three or four of those breaking them. Um, and you're never going to break that titanium one unless you, you know, fall off a cliff or something, but, uh, titanium cooking pot. Um, and then food, and this is just generally food. Uh, but just some parameters of what we look for when we pack our food is first of all, we divvy everything up per, per day. So we'll have a mess in the kitchen of all the total supplies that we're going to take or that we're going to pull from. And then each day's worth of food, you know, not only gets put into one Ziploc bag, but then gets broken up into Ziploc bags inside of that. So, you know, if I'm going to take trail mix and I'm going to have, you know, uh, enough trail mix for each of the days, seven day hunt or whatever, I'm going to have seven individual, um, not even the full size sandwich Ziploc bags, but the half, the halvesies, uh, the little half size ones. Cause you just, that's about as much as you want for a day. And so then we pull, you know, one, one cup or half cup of the trail mix and put it in and and then pull all the items for that day that we're going to eat food. And then all that one day's worth of food goes into one gallon Ziploc bag. And so we'll have seven. Actually, if I was going on a seven day hunt, for an example, I would have eight, I would take eight days worth of food because you just never know. I've had them where a nine day hunt turned into 11 day hunts and so on and so forth. Um, I'm about a pound and a half on my bags of food for one gallon for one day, Corey, do you know where you're at on your weight? Is it about the same?
1: I'm I'm sneaking up to two. I really really am. I'm a man. I'm a, you know, me, I'm a calorie burner.
0: So how, uh, how many calories is that? It's like
1: sneaking up on like 2,800 on a good day. If I, if I have the right, uh, I try to cherry pick, especially on a big hunt where I know like a mule deer hunt in Nevada, I'm going to be burning calories
0: up, uh, down, up, down, up, down. And it's super, super hot.
1: And I'm, I'm cherry picking like the best freeze dried, like calorie wise and fat wise protein. And I just, for me, the difference, you know, on a seven day hunt, but that extra half pound of weight per, per day, you know, it's an extra three and a half pounds in, 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 you know, if, especially if we're setting up a base camp, I'll carry an extra five pounds in if it means I get that many more calories. But I'm hypoglycemic; I don't do well if I'm. Uh, I do. I've gotten better as I'm older. I'm running on fats a little better now. But yep. it. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm not afraid of packing in too much food, especially because you know you don't have to pack it out as long as the hunt goes the distance.
0: When I was closer to your age, or even like my early twenties, I was the same exact way. In fact, when we first started backpack hunting, I would I would literally get in there and be feel like I was starving because I would run out of my day's food. I wouldn't pack enough, or I was burning too much. Um, two, I think two things have changed. One, um, obviously, uh, you know, ten years later or whatever, I'm 32 now. Your metabolism just slows down. I I'm running about 2,500 calories, and I still can I can't even hardly get through that in oh, on man. most days um, share it with me yeah yeah no I'll eat it um, but the other thing too is I'm just I'm just a smarter hunter and what I mean by that is years, you know when I was 22 and heading in there I wouldn't even you know I would be chasing after deer that I shouldn't be going after I would be making stocks that I had no business going on and what I've found uh now is I'm I'm just more calculated. And so I burn less calories naturally. Um, there, sure. I, I might go two days sitting and watching a deer um, sometimes before I make a move. Whereas before I would have not only made a move on him the first day, but then chased after the next one that I saw across the next Canyon, the same exact day and just tried to make it all work. Um, and so you just have to know kind of where you're at in life, what type of hunter you are, but those are some pretty good parameters, a pound and a half to two pounds, Twenty five hundred to three thousand calories, depending on where you're at in life.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Okay, um, some other and camp- shoot
1: as many grouse as
0: you can. <laughs> yeah, if you're going into you know places like Colorado or wherever, you can definitely don't rely on that, but you might be able to pull some of those out. Um, more camp equipment, uh, sleeping pad. Uh, I'm now running the thermal rest. Uh, Thermarest NeoAir X Lite. Um, it's the one that you know is "quote unquote" noisy. Um, it's actually not noisy anymore. I talked about that on a past podcast. But um, can't stress enough the importance of just whatever you're taking. Make sure that you are 100% like this is the most comfortable night sleep you know that I can get because it's just man those five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven day hunts. Uh, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, it's gonna wear on you. Like bring are, the
1: fix-it kit.
0: Bring and a I, <laughs> yeah. Bring a bring a patch kit. Um, I've I've been out with a couple guys. Luckily, I haven't experienced this, but I have been with a couple guys where their pads go uh, get a hole in them or something. What are you running right now? Do you, are you still running like a Big Agnes? Yeah, I've got that Big Agnes. I've got
1: a couple Thermarest too. I really like. I've got an Exotherm. Um, but yeah, I run. I don't quote me on this. I, the models, just one of those things. Like I figured out which one I liked two or three years ago and have been running. I think it's a, it's got a little bit of insulation. It's not a self. Um, it's basically the same thing as the exotherm you're running, but from big Agnes, it's like the pro SL or the, you know, it's got slight insulation. It's not self inflating. It's like, 12 uh, or 14 ounces. I was just
0: going to say probably around a pound um, mm-hmm. for these these uh, decently priced, uh, you know, blow-up air air pads are going to be around a pound or a little less. So Yeah. Um,
1: they just came out with a new one that I was, like, reading all about and all jacked on until I saw that it was $250. Two.
0: <laughs>
1: and I, so... Probably not going to pick that up anytime soon.
0: Yeah. Well, don't look at the price of the NeoWare X-Lights. Right. Um, right. A new item that I'm packing this year that everyone, I think, should put on their list is a blow-up uh, pillow. <laughs> I'm like a pillow sleeping freak at home. I have, like, a minute. I have, so I run, like, a body pillow at home. I run, like, two regular-sized pillows. I always have one, like like on the side of me in between my legs under my head on my side. Um, and so it's tough. Honestly, when I go into the back country, it's tough. I'm always wadding up, um, you know, clothes or, uh, you know, whatever I can wad up, uh, which really is just clothes in the back country. Um, and so I've, t- I've gone on a few nights now with this pillow and it's just, man, I'll never go back. I can still, kind of wad up uh you know bundle up some clothes and put under my sides or something like that if i need it uh but just having that under my head and you know we're talking ounces and again it's a good night's sleep so are you running a pillow or anything
1: no. no So i i i uh i take my sleeping bag stuff sack and i stuff a whatever clothes i got that i'm not wearing in there and then i take the so I pack two Moreno shirts all the time, and that's that's how many Moreno shirts I hunt in. And this sounds gross, but I take the shirt off that I wore all day, like right before bed, kind of put it on my tent to hopefully it airs out just a little bit. I put the new one on, so I'm sleeping in a fresh shirt, which I you know I just don't like being sticky. And those sleeping bags. Uh, stuff sacks are kind of sticky in themselves and it's not very comfortable to sleep on them. So I'll wrap that in in the shirt I just wore all day. (laughs) And that speaks to Merino because it, you know, it, I don't feel gross when I'm doing it. It's not, you know, that big a deal. And then I just wear the, you know, when I change in the morning, I just wear the shirt that I wore into my
0: sleeping bag. Yep. That first night Merino, I mean, it, it, you almost can't get it to stink. You honestly can't. You can.
1: I can. Mark was complaining <laughs> about me in Colorado this last year. Well, week. that's probably you, and not it.
0: the Merino. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, all of the above. But yeah. yeah, no, it, I was very, very comfortable. Um, I've, I've done that for a couple of years now. And yeah, two Merino shirts is all the more I wear. And I, that's how I remember to change them every day is just put the one that sat out all day and I'll dip them in a creek, dry them off on a pack, you know, and do that whole deal. But, you just don't need to in those things.
0: Okay. Um, next thing on the list, kind of moving, moving through some of that stuff. Uh, camera, camera gears on my list, DSLR. Uh, obviously with that, make sure you've got plenty of SD cards because they're light. Um, and then batteries or some way to charge them. Uh, we t- usually have, a, um, you know, some sort of solar charger, but if not, make sure you got enough batteries uh, if it's cold, take that into consideration because those batteries will drain extremely fast if it's you know anywhere around freezing. Um, GPS or slash for me, it's the Sunto Traverse uh, Alpha GPS watch. Now I don't even pack uh, the GPS that I stole from Corey anymore. <laughs> um, I like
1: having a GPS. I like Topo in front of me. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm more prone to just take it out a physical map, you know, like old school back in the day when we used to use maps uh, because it's just bigger. Those little screens on those, at least the one I have, you know, it's terrible. So I would rather just have a paper copy and then my my watch. Um, I put extra batteries for everything and then I made a list. Some things that I know that I have that have batteries, obviously DSLR or the camera that you're taking my rangefinder I've had those go dead on a hunt. headlamps (laughs) headlamps <laughs> we'll we'll skip that story but i've had <laughs> yeah <laughs> i yeah. ran out of the <laughs> uh and then if you have flashlights or like I, I always carry a tiny really tiny you can get like a keychain type flashlight uh that's just really like a backup in the worst case scenario uh, make sure the batteries are fresh on that or you have spares and then you you know whatever your gps or some way to charge a gps Um, kind of moving along here on the list, toiletries, that's going to be different for every person. Um, but me, I just have one little Ziploc bag that, uh, never leaves my pack and it's going to have, um, you know, for me, contact solution. I was going to grab mine right here, but my pack's not in my room here, but, um, contact solution, um, you know, toilet paper, uh, contact case. What am I missing? Toothbrush, toothpaste. I don't pack soap anymore. I don't pack like a scentless deodorant. I don't pack anything like that anymore. Um, what else, Corey?
1: I do. I do those little like super small. Have you ever used Dr. Browners? soap? it's like granola. soap. nope. Oh man.
0: Don't know Game it changer.
1: Is. You don't, you don't technically need water for it, but like I usually do, dude. That stuff's a that stuff's a lifesaver. It's like all biodegradable. It's all super nice, and I I do like pack an extra like two ounces. And the because it's like a concentrate, like two ounces goes like a long way. You won't even use like half of it on a seven yeah. day hunt. But
0: I won't it, use but... any of it because I I man I packed a little tiny bar of soap. I can count on one finger the amount of times that I used or took any sort of like cleaning myself off. I just, I just don't do it. Um, I stopped packing soap. I wouldn't use the one that would, that you're talking about. I just, it's like, you can't, you can't, you, you shower, you get it completely off you or whatever you're doing. Um, it's going to be right back in the high on the hike back to the, to the tent. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, right. It's like, It's like using scent controlling gear, like, nope, I'm just going to always play the wind. Um, And so anyway, but yeah, the toiletries, um, maybe I'm missing something, but, and then the last thing I have on my camp equipment is an extra water bladder, you know, and that, and that can vary now, especially with the different type of filtering systems that are out there. But Typically I'll have the water bladder in my pack that's three liters and then I'll have an additional three liter that I bring in empty because if you have the chance or you're crossing water, you're always, you know, especially once you get kind of a base camp set up and you're out hunting, if you cross water and you have that spare bladder, you're always going to want to fill it up. You, I mean, almost never, unless you know the area super well, you're never going to cross water, especially on your way back to camp and not fill that up and take it
1: um okay. i'm i'm with you on that i i absolutely love that i use a camelback system and i just own two of their 100 ouncers and i love that you can like unclip the cord you're not worried about it like as long as you get the top on you're not worried about it spraying everywhere yep. and you can just swap those or hang one in a tree at camp or whatever but yeah you gotta run two yep
0: okay um Moving into pack supplies, these are things that basically always stay in my pack. I always I always have them in there. Um, first thing on mine is just a little Mountain Ops uh, Ignite trail packs. Um, I'll take Enduro packs too. Uh, the Enduro, the difference really for me, and there's scientific things that are different, but really it's just one has a caffeine kick and one doesn't. Um, and so if I'm really like looking for a hit or it's the end of a long day or or we're making a pack out with meat or something, I'm definitely gonna go for the ignite. Otherwise I might just take an enduro like first thing in the morning just to kind of up that cardio cardiovascular uh, performance throughout the day while I'm hiking. Um, what do you take for supplements? Anything, Corey?
1: I I do a multivitamin for Mountain Ops. Um I try to take that every day. Um I just I feel like you know you're missing out on stuff eating freeze dried and like granola all week, and so multivitamin. And then I take I just do ignite. I'm a coffee drinker, so I like the caffeine. And yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoy that ignite. So um, I, I don't I don't go through that process where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want caffeine right now. Yeah,
0: no, and and like I said, if I was picking one, it would be the ignite. Every once in a while, I'm just like man, I already slammed an ignite earlier today, you know, and that might be a couple hundred milligrams of caffeine. Like, I just want to, I just want a little like flavor even, you know, with my right. water or something. And then I'll, I'll throw the, the enduro or something. But, um, Do you, do you use those noons ever or no
1: I don't know how to even say it. It's, yeah, it's,
0: it's noon. I have, um, years ago when I was fighting wildland fire, I used those. Um, they're all right. Again, I, I highly prefer the taste um, and the performance benefits in my opinion of the of the enduro or the ignite sure absolutely um, the noons for me they're they're really not that great of tasting um,
1: No, they're they're super mild I really the only time I run them <laughs> is um, if it's cold enough that your hoses and your Camelback are freezing mm-hmm I will. Uh, I'll drop those in because they won't. There's no sugar or anything in them, so they won't foul up your Camelback. And then that'll lower your freezing point. Or, gotcha. Yeah. So, but yeah, they. It's a pretty mild taste. It doesn't taste as bad as iodine, though.
0: So, I run. You know that I. He says that because I, he knows that I run iodine, and I don't have any problem with the taste of iodine. But maybe I'm just weird. So, um, and we're gonna get to iodine right here. Uh backing up though, right now I think all three of us, yeah, are running a twenty two mag from Kafaru for the actual pack. Um we are we've got a uh one of the newer, bigger uh frame packs, the five thousand cubic inch on order. And it is like, let's see, what is what uh The reckoning is. The reckon, yeah, the re- reckoning. Yeah. Um, that's around, I think around 5,000, I'll have to look that up, but just as one, I, I know it's one step up, uh, cubic inch wise from what we have. Cause those, those 22 mags are awesome, but five days, if you don't have pack animals, five days in a 22 mag is a, is about the, the, the max. Um, I don't even think that it's designed to do that much, but we, uh, we've made it work, um, Uh, some other things that stay in the pack headlamp times two, uh, right, Corey,
1: always, always,
0: uh, I take around 25 feet of uh, P cord, paracord that I'll just, it just literally stays in the bottom of my pack all the time. And I just kind of know what's in there. Um, this is old school from, you know, I, I picked this up for my dad. He has this, in fact, I stole the exact, uh, container that he used to use. And so I don't even know what he's using right now. Cause he probably doesn't know it's gone, but, um, he would always carry when I was a kid, I always remember him carrying a little waterproof, um, tiny little, you know, it's like the size of a pill bottle, uh, for waterproof matches. And so it's waterproof. The container is, and then he'd have waterproof matches in there. And that was way back before, you know, some of these cool things that we have now, but I just always have carried that as like my last resort backup every once in a while, I've had to pull those matches out and start a little fire or something.
1: Do, um, do you carry a uh, fire starter at all?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, let's see, where is that on here? Yeah, anyway, I do. Um, I carry this uh, again. This is this is something I picked up for my dad, just old school uh, little fire sticks, you know, that you can pick up. And there's probably something now that's uh, way more advanced or someone who knows way more about backpacking can suggest you know something really cool but it's just a, a little uh, you know it's got a slight uh, ignition source on it just a tiny little uh, stick you know that's super flammable um, and I, I've had to use those before too they're really lightweight
1: looks like plywood or something yeah
0: yep looks like a Kinda. little tiny mini yeah. mini uh, square yep um, I take face paint. You know, it, it's one of those, there, it's funny face paint. Guys either love it or hate it. Um, I've always used it from just way back when. Um, guys now seem to hate on it a little bit. I couldn't care less. Um, to me, it's just my face, especially like, you know, lighter, white, really white, pale skin. Like to me, it's just going to stand out like a sore thumb. And so I just want to dole that down. Um, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right, maybe you can hang in the shadows or something. You can't tell me that having that, that lighter colored skin, like I have just covered up, um, you know, from shining or whatever. So I'll pack a little thing of face paint, um, ibuprofen, band-aids. Um, let's see, toilet paper. We talked about that in toiletries, uh, body wipes. I'll take out, you know, maybe half a dozen for a um, maybe more than that, maybe a dozen for a week long hunt, you know, and use them every other day or something like that. Wipe down scent free body wipes, um, blister padding or blister free padding. Um, I like the ones where you can kind of cut the little holes out, uh, you know, around a blister and then duct tape over it or something like that. Obviously duct tape is on the list. Um, little tiny thing of sunscreen. Again, this is one, I probably should stop carrying it because I never use it. Um, But some form of sunscreen is probably a good idea. I've packed it for years. I never use it. Just a tiny little bottle of, you know, sunscreen lotion. Uh, A bug spray, which I do use all the time, slash mosquito, you know, a mosquito spray or mosquito repellent. Uh, Depending on where you're hunting, it can get brutal uh, in those early summer, you know, August type or July scouting trips. Um, Other things that stay with my pack. Let's see my eye. Yeah. So my water filter slash iodine tablets. um, I'll just say this real quick. So I've been an iodine guy for years now, but I almost always understand the unit that I'm going into. And what I mean by that is if if you know that there's going to be running water that you can come across, then iodine tablets, in my opinion, are great. They're lightweight, super lightweight, super simple. There's nothing really wrong that can go wrong with a part or anything like that. Um, the problem with iodine tablets, and I just ran into this on a, a hike we went on with with uh, you know a couple months ago, is if you get in a spot where there's not running water nearby and there's a stale, stagnant-type pond, you're gonna want a filter rather than iodine tablets, right? Um, and so I just picked up a Sawyer. It's made by Sawyer, and it's a you know it's like a squeeze or a gravity flow uh, filtration system. That's just something that you can use if you get in a situation where it's stagnant, stale water, and you're gonna want something more than just the iodine tablet. Because explain that a little bit, Corey. Where that it it, it it's uh I don't know the um, there's two two different types uh, Let's see I was going to look on the thing here There's basically two different types There's a bacteria Which is like salmonella and E. coli Then there's a protozoa That's like giardia And I don't completely understand Any more than that But the iodine will kill one of them But it won't kill the other one Right?
1: Yeah, the iodine should kill everything at a microscopic level. Um, you know, everything that we're worrying about back there. Um, but it's not actually going to like take any particulate out of it. Anything that's not like a microorganism is probably not going to kill in that time frame either. Yeah. Um, and then also you're just drinking like, you know, I've heard of guys. I think you had Sam McKeith on what a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen a picture I love of him. Like the only water you could find on a hunt was literally in like an old tire in the middle of the desert. He's was like sight, you know, filtering water. Like you're, you you don't, you don't want to use iodine in that scenario. Yeah. And so it's going to take all the particulates out of it. It's going to take anything larger than a microorganism out of it. Um, It iodine should make water safe you know, almost all the time, but it's not going to make it like enjoyable to drink. It's not something you're going to want to put in your bladder. It's not going to want to, you know, that's like a last resort type deal. So that's where the filter comes in. If you have like good, clean looking, you know, if it's clean looking, Dustin will like just bend over and drink out of it. Water. I'm thirsty. That's when you put the, yeah, that's when you put the iodine. I use AquaTabs. I don't like the taste of iodine. Yeah. I don't like it changing well, my bladder.
0: But you know, and, and the reason that I switched to iodine is a year, you know, years ago, all we really had were pumps. And so yep. you would sit and just for almost an hour, it. oh my gosh, it sucked. Um, pumping and up, down, up, down, and those things would after the first 10 pumps, they would get um, super back clogged or whatever. And it was just like, it sucked. Um, and so finally, it was just like, you know what, the weight of these uh, pumps at the time was not really worth it. And the time and the effort to, to filter that water wasn't worth it. Um, and so most of the areas that we hunted, we were crossing, you know, running water. And so iodine, was just, it was perfect for me. Um, nowadays, they've got these super lightweight gravity drip um, you know, type, type of filtra- filtration systems. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's shifted now where it's, it's totally worth having something like that, that, you know, if you run into stagnant, you know, whatever type of water you hear the stories of like, Oh, the only thing I had to, to filter or whatever was the, you know, the elk piss, uh, wallow yeah. pond or whatever, yeah. you know, Adam green tree type stuff. Um, and those are the situations you want to be able to run it through some sort of filter at the very least. So.
1: Well, and that's kind of the hang up with a pin, right? Is still, once again, no, no filter. You got to scoop yeah. it up, put it in a bottle. And I, I think the pins are great. I, I,
0: but if I was, if I was doing pin, why not just do the iodine tablet? You know what I'm saying? Like right. way lighter, weight, cheaper, takes up less space all the way around tastes like iodine you can't be iodine you can't be iodine unless there's not going to be running water Uh, like if you're a taste guy with it they have the stabilizer for the taste i've i've literally every pack that i've bought that has that in it too i take it out and i throw it right away um but maybe it maybe it helps with the taste i would just throw in i like i would dump in a mountain ops enduro um you know just in your three liter bladder or something like that uh, to just, you know, dilute the taste or whatever, if it's that big of a deal. So, okay, moving on. Um, and then obviously water bladder uh, that's, you know, uh, with a with a hydration hose that stays in my pack all the time. Um, and then the last thing I have on that list is trekking poles. If you're not a believer, try them and you will be. Um, real quick, just going to, well, go ahead. One
1: thing to add to that, that I think a necessity in my opinion is chapstick i i pack two little tubes of chapstick and i don't pack sunscreen but i wear a bucket hat i'm i'm a bald guy and so i've always got a bucket hat on and then you got to have chapstick man back there another day five and six and it's it gets brutal
0: that's true. That's one that I just I, I almost don't put that on my list because I have it almost with me on my on my body all the time in my life, and so it just naturally makes it into the backcountry. So, but yeah, chapstick is a good one. Um, rolling through clothing uh, because we just don't have time to talk about why. Um, but basically, um, I'm gonna. Well, ha- it's an
1: application thing. For, yep. Per hunt.
0: That's that's totally true. Um, so I'm gonna have a. Uh, top and bottom base layer that's merino wool. Um, I'm going to have on top of that kind of base layer, I'm going to have a mid weight uh, merino wool top. Also Um, I'm going to have a pair on the, sorry, back to the bottoms. I'm going to have a, doesn't matter how early or hot the hunt is. I'll always take in a merino base layer, um, like long John and then whatever pants I'm wearing one pair of pants, you know, for, a, doesn't matter how many day hunt. Um, and, but I'll use those, um, bottoms to sleep in. doesn't matter how hot it is because I'm weird. I cannot stand like my skin touching together on my legs at night, especially in those hot sleeping bags. It's kind of counterintuitive that I would put on a base layer to sleep in when it's hot but that sweat when it is hot or whatever, you know, is happening, like I'd rather have the, the, uh, cloth in between my legs. So, um, you know, and then, and then whatever pants, if it's, you know, if you're talking a super cold hunt, like, you know, late, 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 you know, November type deal, then you maybe get a, um, you know, a puffy insulating, uh, pant that goes either on the outside or underneath your, well, it would go on the outside of your regular pants, but, um, rain gear, a rain gear, top and bottom. I will, you know, I hunted for years without, (laughs) I hunted for years without rain gear. It's, it's, to me, it's a luxury item if you can afford it because it's good. If you're going to get rain gear, get good rain gear. And if you're going to get good rain gear, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg nowadays because it's so light and, and so high quality. Um, so if you can't, I've hunted for years. I know Corey hunted without rain gear for a long time. Um, you just hunker down. It, it depends on the hunt. I would probably not go on a late, late season hunt without, you know, like, uh, Wyoming in you know, September type deal without some rain gear, because you're going to get a, an afternoon thunderstorm basically every day. Uh, but some of these Nevada hunts that we go on, we don't see water the whole time. We don't see a lick of rain the whole time. Um, and so I wouldn't even hesitate if I didn't have the money or didn't want to pack it to not bring uh, rain gear. So where are you at on rain gear?
1: Um, it, it's definitely hunt-dependent, environment-dependent. Um, you know, so much of our gear anymore is, you know, all of our pants have a good DWR on it. Um, all of our jackets you know, besides maybe our puffy yep. have good DWRs, good shells. It's not rain proof, it's rain resistant. So in that case, just know you're not, you know, a heavy thunderstorm is probably going to shut down a stock, right? Yep. Cause I'm going to take cover. You and I have hunkered down under trees. Now, if I were hunting, you know, coastal Oregon, probably a necessity. Um, if I don't have rain gear, I'm definitely going to have gators,
0: that's what um, I was just going to say is yeah. the, one, the one thing that I will not leave home without are my first light gators. They're always in my pack, no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's a, definitely nice keeping that dry. But you just know, like, if you, you know, if you're not packing rain gear, the plan B is if it's raining, you're not hunting. You're hunkered down under a tree or you're setting up a tent quick. So yep. it's, I've hunted a lot without them in a drizzle you just tough it out put a shell on and deal with it but um for me rain gear is loud enough that i'm not like truly putting a stock on especially like archery stocks with rain gear on um and so i'm going to be hunkered under a
0: tree okay so rain gear dependent uh gators 100 percent uh merino top merino bottom uh pants, you know, just a regular, either like, uh, I'll either take a first light corrugate pant or the first light, um, oh, what's the Merino pant that we wear? The Kaibab. The Kaibab. What's the yep. new one? Is it's is it Kaibab 2.0? Kaibab. Um, I haven't got the new one yet, so I just have pants. been running the, uh, uh, the one from last year.
1: The Corrugate. yeah. Or the Kaibab? Yeah, the yeah.
0: Kaibab. Um, yeah, so then on the top we talked about um, kind of a mid, you know, like they're usually a quarter zip or um, something like that, um, but I, I'm running like a the First Light uh, Lano Merino quarter zip that's a mid-weight. Um, 100% I always take in my puffy jacket. Uh, I've got the Uncompagre from First Light. Goes it goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. It's It's too light. It's too warm for how light it is. Um, too many uses for it that it's not going in. It doesn't matter. Uh, July scouting trip or December backcountry hunt wouldn't matter. Um, Uncompagre puffy vest is super optional for me. It's gotta, it's gotta be a really cold hunt for me to throw that one in because again, um, it's kind of a, you know, just adding on to the puffy jacket. Um, and then basically a, you know, an outer, uh, uh, for, like the first light North branch jacket, kind of a soft shell, uh, jacket. Absolutely. My favorite, probably my favorite piece of first light gear is, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? The, uh, the talus, uh, fingerless gloves, those things I'm a, like, I'm a cold. If you, if you're cold blooded, like I am, those things go on, the second the hunt starts and they almost never come off. Uh, I always, I always have those gloves on. Um, I love them. The fingerless gloves. You can still do everything, uh, but it's just, I'll throw them on underneath uh, my heavier gloves, which is like a shell hybrid um, or something like that. That I'll take a, like a heavier glove, uh, some sort of hat, like Corey wears his uh, bucket hat for the shade. I usually just wear a baseball hat, Mountain Ops baseball hat, or something like that. Merino socks. And then um, I'll take maybe one pair for every three to four days, and I'll rotate, you know, between two pairs back and forth. But then one thing that I switch out basically every day are my... I I am old school, and I'll wear like a little nylon... um, Is it nylon? Uh, Sock Sock liner nylon yeah yeah nylon. yeah nylon sock liner um in between my feet and my uh like a, a merino wool sock those have been a game changer for me just eliminating any uh friction points for uh, blisters and all t- those are so light and so small that i i will basically a seven day hunt i'll pack seven of those and I'll switch, really? yep, I'll switch those out. They're, they're so, like when you see them, dude, they're so tiny.
1: Yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yep. I just didn't know you were packing seven of them.
0: Yep, I will. I'll just, I'll pull one of those uh, out every yeah. single day, put a new one on. I probably shouldn't. I don't even know why I do, but they're so well, light.
1: Nylon or Reek, you wear those a couple days. Yep,
0: well, and they're just so light and so small and don't take up any room. So I'll, I'll just have one for every day. And then underwear is subjective, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Do not pack your insecurities with underwear, though. Um, I remember the days when I first started, I would have, like, a fresh pair of underwear for every day. Um, just don't do not do it. Um, now, I probably shouldn't even say how often I go without switching my underwear out. But if it's, a you know, a seven-day hunt, I might go as light as, like, one extra pair, probably two, maybe, on, like, a seven- or eight-day hunt so
1: yeah i go i think it's i do the same thing with socks i pack two pairs of socks probably a third for stocking um i think i'm going to try those stockisons this year but i do two pairs of socks the trick is to alternate them you know there again i'm putting the fresh ones on when i'm going to sleep and then hopping out of bed and throwing my boots on in the morning on top of the fresh ones and then same with underwear i you know when i go to bed i've got fresh socks fresh underwear and fresh shirt on and it uh see I, but I only have one pair of each so i ain't a wool uh, man that's a game changer
0: yeah it is um with my underwear and what i sleep in i'll actually i'm the guy that's like i'll have my fresh my freshies ready to go in the morning and then first thing when i wake up i'll i'll ditch the whatever i slept in from the day before or the hunt before you know the the hunting before and I'll ditch that and put the new stuff on like as I wake up as I'm rolling out of the tent and
1: oh, I love going to bed in that stuff. Uh, it, the
0: the thing for me is like you're it doesn't matter I guess. We shouldn't even worry about it cuz you just everything stinks. So, but yeah, the stocking it socks. I need to add that to this list that's been missing. I I do carry the stocking socks too. Okay. Wrapping up here with just some extras. Basically things that would stay at the truck or the trailhead. Extra arrows, an extra bow bow string, if two things, if it's broken in and 100% dialed for your bow, I guess three things. If you actually have the equipment to change it out, and then if you actually have the expertise to to set it up and tune tune up a bow and switch out the string on the side of the mountain if you had to. But if you do and you have the equipment to switch it out, that can be... The difference in a hunt, I could tell you stories, I won't because we're running long here. Uh, extra broadheads as many as you could possibly have with the truck, uh, with your extra arrows. Again, this is tailored to an archery hunt. Um, if you're rifle hunting, I would have uh, you know at least a box of extra ammunition, muzzle loading, same thing. Um, a target, a practice target that we will. We'll check our gear before we hike in. And then, you know, we've had it where something's gone wrong on the mountain. We've had to hike out and fix something. It's nice to have a target back at camp with some field tips where you can uh, see how, uh, make sure things are sighted in. Uh, we talked about bullets, extra batteries for everything, um, as many as, you know, you need. If you can get your hands on some formaldehyde, we've carried, we've left formaldehyde with some, you uh, gloves and some needles, uh, back of the truck for years. My grandpa happens to be a taxidermist, probably not supposed to have that. Maybe, I don't know what the rules are, but if you got the velvet on those early season hunts and you can come back and inject that at the truck, that's awesome. Spare extra underwear, extra socks. That is where I'll leave some scent-free soap, some scent-free deodorant because if I do get back and like, you're going in to fix something or someone you kill early and you're going to hike one out and send it into town or to the meat or whatever. And you do have a chance to get a shower. That's where I will shower. Um, and just put re-up with everything fresh there. Uh, extra game bags, extra cook uh, cooking fuel cans just in case. Plenty of uh, extra food. I'll, I mean, we'll have a whole bin of extra food and then just Bottles of extra water, you know, a whole case of extra water or a um, a cooler full of extra water or something so that you know that if you happen to get back to the truck or maybe you get separated from camp and it's just closer to go back to the truck or whatever your situation is, you know, that you're going to have everything you need to resupply and restock at the truck. What did we miss? Man, I think you
1: hit a home run. I, I mean, we we did not get everything that we're going to have on every hunt but it's a most of it and Man. i think when you're when you're talking about you know rookies this being good for rookies or you know somebody who's been backpacking a while might pick up a tip or two i think uh there's a third guy there sitting that you know if we did miss something something may be really cool that we don't even know about you know let us know well, Email dustin or reach out to dustin because they're you know we yeah. you know here's it, it's a
0: Here's what I'll say. There will be things that maybe are same application, but just a different product than what we had that works better. And I, I'm i not going to pretend that this is all the absolute best stuff because no one can say that anything's the best. I can say what's been working the best for me that I've even used. Um, so there, there might be things like that. What I would say though, is if you're the new guy that's get, if you're the new guy that's getting into backpack hunting and you just listen to that list, I'm not talking about the seasoned guy because the seasoned guy is going to listen to that. And probably 95% of it's going to be different than what he actually packs, but it's been working. So stay with it. Maybe take the 10% that, you know, you hadn't thought of and, and try something new. But if you're the new guy, just getting into it and you, you heard that list And then you simultaneously looked over at your pack that you're getting ready to go on your hunt this year. And you've got twice as much (laughs) and you've got (laughs) twice as much crap as what we, we just rattled off (laughs) sound, the alarm, red flag. Like you probably (laughs) probably overpacking. You probably don't need all that extra stuff. There's probably, you're probably going down a road. You don't want to go down. If the other thing I'll say is if your pack without water, for a, what a five to seven day hunt if your pack weighs more or over for just a you know from august or july scouting trip all the way up to like even october if your pack all packed up weighs more than you can carry fi- yeah well 50 to 55 pounds if it's in the 50s i would take a hard step back if it's in the 60s You're something's something needs to be changed in my opinion. Um, You you can do it. I did it for probably a couple years with stuff, mostly because my budget wouldn't allow me to. So you you gotta you gotta use some common sense. If you just say, well, I can't afford, you know, and so I've got to have the heavier sleeping bag or I've got to have the heavier tent. That's a whole different story. But you know, if you think you can afford it, but you're just dumping things in a seven thousand cubic inch pack um to go on a five day hunt and it weighs you know 73 pounds without water um <laughs> reevaluate stop reevaluate yeah. re-listen to this podcast take notes and then email with any questions that you have on what the discrepancies are
1: when i'm when i'm trying to decide to pack a piece of gear i always ask myself like am i going to use this or maybe i'll use it Yep. You know, is it, is it one or the other? And if it's, if it's the maybe, then maybe I should delete that from my gear.
0: Another can good, I do without it. Yeah. And another good rule of thumb too. And it doesn't apply to everything. Don't get me wrong. There's certain things that only have one application, but we can find multiple uses for, excuse me, for a majority of the gear that we take, we can find multiple uses for it. And so if it's a one dimensional thing and it's super heavy And it takes up a lot of space. Like, you know, I don't even know what that would be, but reevaluate a roll of duct tape. A roll of duct tape. Food is one of those things, unfortunately, that's pretty one dimensional um, and takes up a lot of space. That's one you just can't get around, though, obviously. So, this has been awesome, Corey. Last parting words. What do you have to say, man? Good luck.
1: It's game time.
0: Email us, findingbackcountry at gmail.com we'd love to go through gear lists. We'll send, I can send you a copy of this gear list, um, answer any questions. Uh, also if you have any topics for the podcast that you'd like to hear or want discussed or want us to cover, please send those suggestions over. I'll do my best to uh, cover it or get someone on who is a lot smarter than me. More, more than likely that's what I'll do. Uh, good luck this season. And, uh, We'll see you uh, next week. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.